0: Good morning, Cross Point. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. Kids, you can be released for Children's Church. So thank you so much for joining us this morning. As this week, we're going to be continuing in a series that I started last week, and the series is really birthed out of kind of the five longest weeks of my life in recent memories, that of sitting in a waiting room of critical care as my dad was enduring complications from uh, open heart surgery. And it left him in critical care for almost 30 days. And so sitting there and, and waiting, his heart having stopped three times, and, and even now, like the good news is, so many have asked, that most likely my dad is watching on the other side of that camera at home. He was able to come home this past Friday, and that is such an incredible answer to prayer. Yes, thank you. At the same time, there's still the the weight of recovery, and as his body is recovering mentally, there there was a mental impact from the extended time without oxygen, and we're not for sure what that's going to be or look like, and so... Continued prayers are necessary for my mom and for my dad if she cares for him at home now. But this series was birthed, it was framed while sitting in that space, not knowing if my dad was going to live or if he was going to die and what was going to happen. And, and last week we started with what the scripture talks about 48 different times, that life is fragile. Life is a vapor, and it says that, that there is something to be gained. There is wisdom to be discerned, right, when we number our days carefully. And so that was the first aspect. And then today, I want to go into the second lesson. But before I tell you what that is, I just need to kind of describe the day in which this lesson was learned. It was July 2nd. It was that day that started at 1230 AM with the phone call the day I described last week and I'm trying to tell the story without breaking down again so I'm like towing this line emotionally. This reality of when the phone rings and you don't know what's going to happen it was the kind of day that leaves you exhausted. It took everything out of me and as I climbed into bed that night After the day of three separate times, his heart stopping, not knowing what was going to happen, and I fell into bed, and I was scared to death that the phone was going to ring again. It was that kind of feeling. Would I see him tomorrow? And and it's when you're exhausted in every possible way, just exhausted. And, And I'm climbing in bed. And I'm crying, but it's not like the ugly cry. And I can ugly cry. Because see, typically I don't like to cry at all. So I hold it back and I hold it back. Do you know what I mean? Until it like burst out and you can barely breathe and you're sobbing. That's typically when I cry what it ends up being. But it wasn't that. It felt like it came from someplace deeper. Like have you ever taken a sponge and squeezed it? That's what it felt like was happening to my soul. And it was just this pressure in my chest that was squeezing until it leaked out of my eyes. That's what it felt like. And as I laid there and as I went to bed, one of the things that that I like doing is I like listening to scripture. When I read, I tend to study. When I listen, I just let it be spoken over me. And so I used the Dwell Bible app. And as I was going to sleep, they had one that said, a peaceful night, just this collection of different verses. And I'm like, yes, that's what I need. I had that just reading over me, this collection of verses. And as I laid in bed between tears and groaning and not knowing, it became this conversation with God. In a way that I have to, like I don't experience all the time. And I laid there, and in my brokenness, it was like I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the phone ringing. I'm afraid of what comes next. And then I heard being read over me: "Trust in the Lord forever, because in the Lord, the Lord Himself is an everlasting rock." But I'm afraid. And when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And I felt as if my soul was groaning, but I feel so vulnerable. I feel so helpless. I feel like I don't have any control over what comes next. Our God is a refuge and strength He's a helper who always is found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea. But my heart, it's so heavy. It feels like this weight on my chest, casting all your cares on Him, because He cares for you. Such simple truths. But when you're laying in bed in that moment, at your lowest point and broken-hearted, and to hear these truths being spoken over you, and the Lord is near the broken-hearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. And there it was. This truth Not just intellectually agreed upon, but experienced. God draws near the brokenhearted. This was the second lesson that God had for me that I want to talk through this morning. And so let's pray and look at his word. And I'm praying that whatever pain you are carrying this morning. You know with the experienced reality that God draws near in your brokenness. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for these truths that aren't just empty promises. They're not just things to be thrown on a mug or a poster or meaningless encouragement, Lord, but there is a weight In truth, that in our lowest moment, you are worthy and sufficient to carry the broken pieces of our lives, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning to see you for who you really are. Lord, that you would help us to bring our pain and our sorrow before you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, writes this. You'll see it up on the screen. Mental pain, it's less dramatic than physical pain. But the, the mental pain is more common and also more hard to bear. The frequent attempt is to conceal mental pain. And that increases the burden. It is easier to say, my tooth is aching, than it is to say, my heart is aching is broken. Do you agree? Like there's a truth in this, isn't there? Like if you broke your foot and you come into church, what's going to happen? Everybody's going to come up to you and say, oh, I'm so sorry. What happened? And regardless of how foolish the story is, you're going to tell it. Like I got out of bed and I twisted my ankle. Like I stepped off a step wrong and I fell. Like whatever that story is, people are going to come up, ask, offer condolences. You're going to tell the story. It's easy in many ways with a physical injury to tell that story. But if you see someone crying, if you see someone in that space of brokenness, of an emotional pain, but you see no physical wound, how hard is it to go up to that person and say, oh, tell me what happened? How much harder then to tell the story of your heartache? It's painful. And so we smile. We make small talk and we carry pain and silence, and that's part of the problem of pain, that we hide it from others. I, I wonder that if emotional pain was as visible as a broken arm, what would this room look like? What would any room look like? See, we can look around and it's like, we don't see that many physical injuries, but emotionally... If we weren't to hide it from one another, what would the room look like? What cast would you be wearing? What bandages would you have of the pain that you quietly carry inside? And so we retreat from one another. Pretend like it's all okay. We're okay. But the problem is, and the problem of pain is that we not only hide from one another, but then we turn around and we hide from God. Right? like Think of, of Adam and Eve in the garden, what it said, like after they sinned against God, it said God was walking in the garden, and the time of day was when the breeze in the evening, and Adam and Eve heard this, and what they do, they hid. I think sometimes we do the same thing with our emotional pain, not just our sin, but our pain. God draws near. He's walking in the garden. He's coming near. The timing is perfect. It's when the evening breeze is there and we hear him coming. We hear him drawing near. And what do we do? We hide. And we do it for different reasons. Sometimes it's shame. Sometimes it's a sense of worthlessness. Lies that God doesn't care. It can be all sorts of reasons why. But the problem of pain is when we try to carry it on our own and we hide from others and we hide from God. And there's this invitation that God draws near the brokenhearted. And listen to this verse in Philippians. But I want us to really understand it. Because sometimes I think we misunderstand this verse. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious. Don't worry about anything. Oh, thank you. That solves it all that's all you had to say. Don't be sad. Don't worry. That's how we can take it, isn't it? Like, oh, you're anxious. Don't be anxious. Thank you. All better. Wonderful. Let's move on. But that's, have you ever thought about this verse like that? I feel this way. Don't feel that way. Okay. That is not what the passage is saying. I want us to see what God is inviting us into as he draws near. He's saying, yes, don't be anxious or worry about anything. But in everything, not just when you're anxious, not just when you worry, not just when you have grief, not just when you have sorrow, not just when you have pain, but in everything, in joy and in pain in worry and in hope, in calm and in anxiety. He's like, come, come to me, talk to me. Ask of me what you need. Isn't that what it says? Like when we think about what this is saying, it's like you feel anxious, you feel pain, you feel sorrow, you have grief, come and talk to me, it says pray. Talk with God. Bring your pain, bring your sorrow, bring your anxiousness, bring your worry. And tell God what you need. Ask of Him. And we can do that with thanksgiving because we know that He draws near the brokenhearted. And so bring it to God. Don't just cast it away. Come to Him. And give your emotions to Him. Present your request to God. Surrender the feelings, lay them down, present them as a gift before God, here's my worry, here's my pain, here's my broken heartedness, and surrender it to God. Now, let me just step back from that for a moment. This is something God is dealing with me in, in what this means and what this looks like, because part of my rhythm of solitude with God begins with understanding where my own heart is where is my heart what am I feeling and why am I feeling it and then I go through this process of then surrendering that to God to say God I'm laying this I'm presenting this to you I'm laying it down at your feet my heart I need to hear from you but what was happening and, and this was about two weeks ago I was and I journaled these thoughts out as I'm spending time with Jesus and, and it was the same thing It was the same feelings for the same reason. And I'm like, God, I've surrendered this already. Why does it keep coming up? And it was as though God said to me, You've shared it with me, but you haven't surrendered it. Ah, that hit. Right? Because it was true. Like, I'm really mad. I'm really sad. I'm really afraid but I'm holding it. And I can tell God all day long, but I kind of want to hold those feelings. But it's saying to present them. Present your request to God. The difference between sharing and surrendering our emotions is one, sharing just looks like simply telling God how you feel and why you feel it. But surrender is presenting them to God so he can keep them. So he can hold them and not you. And so the worry and the brokenness, and to to surrender that before God. And here's the amazing thing look at what it says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, do you see what this passage is inviting us into? Don't be anxious, talk to God. Ask him what you need. Present them to God. Lay them down. And in exchange, he takes your brokenness. He takes your anxiousness and your worry. And he gives you his peace. In a peace that makes no sense whatsoever. You look at the circumstances and you're like, I shouldn't have peace. But I do because of Christ. This is what it is offering into it. It's not telling us not to feel. It's telling us what to do with those feelings. God draws near to the brokenhearted. But will we bring our pain to him in surrender? Or will we just hold it? What do we value more, our pain or our Savior? Christ is worthy, and this is what I want us to see in how God draws near, the kind of God, His character, His nature of God that would draw near to those who are brokenhearted. What what I've experienced this summer in such a, a unique and specific way that it takes it beyond just the realm of knowing it to actually experiencing it. Jesus draws near the brokenhearted. I'm kind of taking it from just that general statement in Psalm 34, 18, that God is near the brokenhearted, to bringing it down to the the person of Christ, because Jesus, in in Luke chapter 4, he stood up in a synagogue, and he opened up to read publicly from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah in Chapter, what we know as chapter 61. And he read these words The Spirit of the Lord God is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, To proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in the day of God's vengeance. To comfort all who mourn. And he read these verses. He wrote it up. He sat down and he said, Today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus says, He is the one who would bring peace, that he is the one who would draw near, not just in our brokenness, not just in our sorrow, but in our deepest brokenness because of sin before God. He draws near to the brokenhearted. Jesus draws near. Pastor and author Eugene Peterson interprets Psalm 34:18. God draws near the broken hearted as this. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. There's something gritty about that, isn't it? There's something that stood out to me because I've heard my mom several times in this process say that it feels like she was kicked in the gut again and again. Like you take one step forward and you get punched in the gut. You take another step and you get hit again. With each step in the journey, there has been another obstacle. And it's how it can feel. And yet, God is near the brokenhearted. I think of the women in the Bible like Sarah, Hannah, Elizabeth, childless for decades, broken and crying out before God who seemed silent for so long, and how God drew near in comfort to answer their prayers. I think of men like Noah, Abraham, David, all who cried out to God in fear and loss at one point in their lives, and God drawing near again and again and again. But it's more than just being near. It's not like he's just by our side. But Jesus understands the language of tears. I have to give my mom credit for this one as well. It was a statement she said multiple times over those five weeks when it kind of seems like words just aren't working, the emotions are more than words can express, it was that God understands the language of tears, and it's true. I want us to see the character of God as we walk through Isaiah 53 in how God draws near to the brokenhearted how he exchanges our anxiety and worry and and pain for his peace. See, Isaiah 53, speaking of our Savior, our Lord, our King, says this. He grew up like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form, no majesty that we should look at him, no beauty about him that we should desire him. He was despised. And he was rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he would despised, And we esteemed him not. Here's why this matters. When you're in pain, who do you want to be? Who do you want in your presence? Do you want the young, inexperienced, naive, optimist who's just going to throw Christian platitudes at you and think that they're bringing encouragement? Or do you want to be with the seasoned saint who has walked through the bitterness of life's pain and tasted of the sweetness of God's presence? It's obvious, isn't it? Like, I want that seasoned saint. I want that person who has walked through through a painful story themselves who has tasted of the sweetness of God, to stand by my side, to tell me that this pain is not all that there is, that there is something else and true in God drawing near to the brokenhearted. I don't want to just hear that everything works out for those who love him. Because not everything always works out. And sometimes the story is not that your dad gets to come home. our Savior, our King, the God who draws near, is a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. He knows pain. He knows tears. And he understands the language of our pain. That means something, doesn't it? It's not just, it's who God is as he draws near. The kind of person that he is as he draws near he knows our pain he's acquainted with it he has cried he knows the language of our pain but here's the thing here's the thing as we keep walking through it's more than just him drawing near it's more than him just being able to identify with our pain The nature of who God is as he draws near, it goes on and it says that Jesus carried our sorrows. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Jesus draws near to those who are hurting. He identifies, he knows what it's like to be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But it says he bore our sorrows and he bore our pain. And this is more than, and let me be clear, sin has brought death into the world. And so as my dad's life hung in the balance between life and death, that is a consequence of sin. We experience brokenness because of our own doing and other people's sin against us. Christ died for the brokenness we experience because of a broken world. And at the heart of that is our own brokenness before a holy God. But it is also more than just that spiritual reality. There is the reality that sin has affected the world and we see its brokenness throughout. And we experience it. And God draws near, and he carried the consequence of sin on his shoulder. He drew near to us, he understands, and then he carried our sorrow on his shoulders. This is the kind of God we serve. This is the God who has drawn near. And here's the thing, it's even more than that. It's more than just being present. It's more than understanding. It's more than carrying our sorrow. Jesus died to purchase our peace. He was pierced for our transgressions. Our sin our wrong the brokenness that doesn't not just what's been done to us but the brokenness we have caused as well he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace meaning upon him was the punishment that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed Consider this. Think back to Philippians. Bring your anxiousness, bring your worry with prayer and petition. Present them before God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How did that come to be? This peace that God freely gives us of Himself, that guards our hearts and minds, was purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ so that we bring him our pain and he gives us his peace. And he carried that on his shoulders. He paid for that in his wounds so that when we are brokenhearted and laying in bed at night crying and God draws near and gives us his peace, it's freely received by the kindness of God that would carry our sorrows, that would carry our grief and would be crucified to pay the penalty for not just the consequences of sin in general, but to pay for my brokenness, my sin. This is the kind of God we serve. This is when it says that God draws near and, I, and I'm and i going to ask you what will you do with your pain this morning? God is the kind of God who draws near he's, he's a God who understands the language of your tears and what they mean when words cannot express them He has carried your sorrows and your grief upon His shoulders He had paid the penalty for the world's brokenness in His blood so that you might Receive peace and a peace that surpasses any understanding that will guard your hearts and minds forever. And here's the thing this peace, when you follow this theme throughout scripture, right in, in Revelation 21, at the end it says that Jesus will wipe away every tear from their eyes, death will be no more, grief crying in pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away behold i am making all things new This peace that we get to taste of today in the midst of the bitter circumstances of our life will one day be the only reality as God draws near and we are in his presence forever. And death is no more. Pain is no more. Sorrow is no more. And we will only know his peace. That is what he has purchased for us. It is not just a temporary peace. It is an eternal, permanent peace. And so it leads to the question, if we agree, and I think we would, that if our pain was as visible as a broken arm, we would feel a little vulnerable, wouldn't we? Not so easy to hide, this emotional cast. There's pain that we carry, and the question is this, what will you do with your pain this morning? Do you believe what the scripture declares to be true, that Jesus draws near the brokenhearted? But what kind of God is it that draws near? Would you allow his character to allow you to talk with him, to present your request, to lay down and surrender your heart and your pain? Will you rest in the one who understands your pain? Will you trust in the one who has carried your sorrows? Will you follow the one who has purchased your peace by dying on the cross? Let's pray.